welcome to the Hadassah Collective podcast. I'm your host, Claire Marinan. The Hadassah Collective is a unique wellness-centered community created in and inspired by India, the birthplace of holistic health disciplines. The Hadassah Collective podcast brings together a carefully curated selection of my most trusted and inspiring innovators from every area of the health and wellness space. I invite my guests to freely share their gifts, their wisdom, their journeys, and their diverse points of view, discussing a vast range of topics, including shutdown and self-isolation strategies, integrated diet and fitness, yogic science, modern mental health, and holistic lifestyle, all to inspire you with relatable tools to help you consciously customize, support, and expand your life. This episode is the first of two episodes where I'm joined by Rachel Lieberman from Pure Generators, and we will be discussing all things human design. In this week's episode, we will be digging into the basics of human design, and then in next week's episode, we'll be digging a little deeper into the nitty-gritty, less-talked-about elements of human design. So for each episode, I highly recommend that you have your human design chart in front of you, and you can obtain your human design chart from myhumandesign.com and you'll be able to go through the episode and as we discuss the different elements of human design you'll be able to refer to that aspect in your own chart and so I hope that you get a lot out of this episode and human design is an incredible tool for self-inquiry self-discovery and self-understanding and um, I really hope that you enjoy this episode and get a lot out of it Hi, Rachel. Welcome to the Hadassah Collective. It's so amazing to have you here and to talk about the nitty gritty of the amazing process or experiment of human design. Yeah, thanks for having me. Most welcome, most welcome. So why don't we start, just give us a little bit of a background um, of who you are and what you do and where in the world you are. Paint a little picture of that for us. Let's see. I live here in the U.S. in Portland. Um, I have been doing human design for really just about a year and a half. Mm. Um, so it's kind of a newer thing to my life, but I found it and it really spoke to just a lot of experiences that I'd had. And so I was able to enter it with a lot of like lived experience and it kind of explained a lot of things that I had gone through. And so I was just very drawn to learning everything that I could and, and yeah, from there I started a blog and then that kind of grew into this business that I have now. That's incredible. I must have joined, um, started following you and following your blog then quite early on because, um, I've been following pure generators for quite some time. Um, I love what you do, especially because I'm a generator and it's such clear, concise information specific to generators and manifesting generators. So I really appreciated that. Yeah, yeah, there wasn't really something like that out there mm -hmm. specifically. There aren't actually a lot of generators and manifesting generators in the human design space, particularly generators, I think. Mm. I sort of have a theory that it's because a lot of us are still crafting jobs we don't like. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We're but, and yeah, I mean, you're right. It's more the projectors and the reflectors. There's a lot of that. And um, wow, that's such an interesting observation, actually. Yeah, so when I went looking for information about myself, I wasn't really finding those people. And then when I found out that as generators and manifesting generators, we were 70% of the population, I was like, oh, this is very, uh, 
very convenient because I can specialize in that because I didn't really want to talk about something that I hadn't experienced. So I was like, great. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So tell us a little bit about um, yourself, your background, where you grew up, where you spent your formative years. And did this shape your career path now, your life path now? How did that shape that? Yeah, I was born here in Portland and I grew up here. I lived some other places when I went to college and things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but I would say that a lot of the human design journey is kind of deconditioning from things that you've been brought up with. Yeah. And I think often our souls kind of choose a path that's a little bit in opposition to sometimes what we were been brought up with so it's kind of like we get shaped by that but we also unshape that so yeah I think I think for me I was always a very creative person but I think I had this idea somehow that just got passed to me through school and society and family and things like that where I chose to go into like jobs and employment that really were not very creative. So yeah, I think also just being on the West Coast is really nice because Mm -hmm. here it's just, I think people's attitudes are a little bit more open about kind of weird things. (laughs) So as you know, all of this stuff that I'm interested in, like human design and ETs and energy yeah. It's not, like, this the oddest thing here as opposed to some places. So, yeah, I feel like I grew up in a pretty, like, like not, not conservative but not, like, out there environment kind of in the middle but yeah. with the idea that it was okay to be kind of weird. And yeah. so that's, that's been very helpful. <laughs> that's amazing. They, yeah, your environment sort of gave space to that creativity and to be able to explore that space. And uh, that's yeah. something I really like about human design, actually. And I mean, look, in, human design is one aspect of that. Um, when it comes to my life, I think it's an interesting tool. Um, but I, you know, we've always had this idea of who are we becoming, you know, from a very young age. It's like, what do you want to be? Who are you going to become? And whereas I sort of see the, the life path of, you know, actually moving the things away that are blocking who you really are and, um, you know, in that space. So I think that's really interesting because we do go through some pretty heavy indoctrination from birth, basically, you know, whether it be familial or in school or society or the media, you know. And so I think that human design is a very interesting process of observing where if I pick those things up and how am I going to release them and let them go. Yeah, it really gives language to it in a way Mm -hmm. that I hadn't found before. Like, it really turns it into a science in a concrete way because when you talk about those things, sometimes it can feel really abstract and random and just hard to really understand how it operates, especially within your body. Like, that's something that I talk about a lot is that a lot of spirituality or talk about that, it kind of gets... It, it gets to where you think that you need to leave your body in mm-hmm. order to experience it. Yeah. And there, there is some truth to that just because being in a body here right now is a heavy experience because yeah. it's just kind of how things are at the moment. But really, I think having human design and being able to see the way that things, these things operate in your body kind of helps you get in touch with that 
essential part of yourself, but still remain in your body and not like try to go somewhere else. Absolutely. Absolutely. That a lot of um, spirituality is, is about where are you going to go when you leave the body as well? Right. Mm-hmm. Whereas I think um, this new age, this new paradigm that we are entering into or that we are really in right now that we're moving through is is really about embodying that out there in in this 3d reality you know so i think that that's um it's such a useful tool to be able to um process that and integrate that yeah so why don't we start and let's um talk about some of the foundations of human design um maybe starting with the i guess the energy types are the most interesting place to start um relatable place to start yeah Yeah, so in human design, there's five energy types. Mm -hmm. Um, Some people say there's four, but there's kind of two different type, like generator types Mm -hmm. that most of us distinguish between. And these are kind of, as opposed to like a personality type, which is kind of how people think of this at first, maybe when they pull the chart or even more like your astrology natal chart or something that kind of tells a story about uh, like who you who you are kind of on a personality level. Yeah, this is very much about the mechanics of your body and how that energy interacts with the rest of the world. And I just like to think of it as like the how you do something. Mm-hmm. So really, any of these five types could have very similar or very different personalities. Uh, so your type really doesn't have too much to do with your personality, but really, it's kind of showing you how do you do things in the world, how do you move throughout the world. Um, so. I guess just to, because human design can get so, like, complex, like, yeah. when I think about, and, and you can, like, talk about it for a long time, but I think a really simple way to describe these five types is kind of picturing how they all work together. So we have the manifester, the projector, generator, manifesting generator, and reflector. And if all of these people were working together, all of these types kind of on the planet, it's like the manifestors would kind of get the inspiration, kind of download the idea of something they want to create. They would then decide, okay, I'm going to put this out into the world. I'm going to ask some people to come on this journey with me. I'm going to go to the, the generators and the manifesting generators. Yeah. So they would go to them. And the generators and the manifesting generators were the ones who have, they say, kind of consistent life force energy but we're really the ones who are here to to use our energy in a way that makes us feel satisfied so we would either sign on to that project by the manifester or we would say that's not for us because we we kind of have a yes or no way of moving through life so then once that project was in motion the projectors would come in and they would help guide the energy um, the manifestors, they're here to really kind of get things going, start them off, but they're not necessarily the ones who are going to carry out all the work. Mm-hmm. So then the projectors would say, okay, I'm going to be the one who is up here, kind of up at the bird's eye view, looking down and making sure that we're seeing the big picture and directing all of the energy of the generators, manifesting generators, because we're kind of more down in the details of what's being done. Mm-hmm. And then once it's finished, the reflectors would come in, or or actually along the way, they would come in and, and give us their opinion on what they're seeing, let us know what we've created, make sure that that's in alignment with what we're going for. They're sort of the ones who 
shine that mirror back on what's being done and created. So that's kind of just my really simple way of talking about the five types and sort of how they move. Um, each type has a, a sort of signature for manifestors. It's peace for generators and manifesting generators. It's satisfaction for, for projectors, it's success and reflectors. It's like surprise or delight. And that's, sort of how we know that we're in alignment. Um, and then we each have a, they call it the not self, which also can be kind of a strange term, but it's really how you know that you're maybe not in alignment with yourself. So for manifestors, that's anger. Um, for generators and manifesting generators, that's frustration. And for manifesting generators, it can be kind of a mix of frustration and anger. For projectors, that's bitterness, and for reflectors, that's disappointment. Wow. And so how do these, um, how would we sort of implement that into our day-to-day -day reality? So if, do we observe the times when we are, say, for a generator, feeling frustrated and recognize that we're out of alignment and sort of look to, to realign to something that's satisfying? How does that work out and play out in the day-to-day? -day? Yeah, I think that's exactly it. Like, what I kind of search for in my day-to-day -day is, like, when am I feeling that just, like, ooh, like, I'm not really excited to do this. Like, mm -hmm. I really kind of want to make that, like, ooh, noise. Just, mm -hmm. just like, a, a heaviness or a contraction. Yeah. And that's when I kind of know, hmm, maybe... I'm not doing this in quite the right way. Maybe it's not quite the right thing for me. Maybe it's not the right person, whatever it is. Um, and so it's kind of like that for all the types that when we're feeling that not self thing, it's kind of just an invitation to take a step back, not to feel bad about ourselves or feel like we've made a mistake or anything, <laughs> but just to take a step back and be like, Hmm, how, how could I do this differently? Or what do I need to change? Yeah. To shift, to shift out of that. Amazing, amazing. And so let's talk a little bit about um, the centers as well, because on the chart, um, this, some of the centers are defined and some of them are white, undefined centers. How does this work? Yeah, so, yeah, everyone has nine centers. Um, the way that your type is determined is basically there's these 64 gates. They're all sort of lit up by different placements of the planets um it's very similar to astrology in that way there there's like one or two things that they add in there that astrology doesn't use like there's an earth placement mm -hmm. so those are numbered one through 64 depending where they are they get kind of colored in on your body graph and then where where two of the centers connect kind of like a circuit board just based on like you just happen to have you know, 41 and 30, and they make this channel, mm -hmm. then that is the mix of those that you have is what determines your type. Mm -hmm. So um, that gets kind of like intricate, but basically 70% yeah. of us have the sacral center defined, um, and that's what makes us generators and manifesting generators. Mm -hmm. And then projectors and manifestors have a, a different mix of things that aren't the sacral. And then um, reflectors actually have none of them colored in because they don't have any direct connections from one center to another. Basically, they just they have the same amount of gates. They just happen to be dispersed in a way that's um, not connecting any of their centers. And 
And what does that um, mean sort of in the outworking of that, of how a reflector should sort of present in the world, as opposed to, say, a generator who has the sacral, um, sacral center defined? Um, what does it sort of mean? Because I, from my understanding, the white centers, the undefined centers, is where we receive conditioning from, from external conditioning. Um, and I just wanted to talk through the difference between, you know, if, if someone is a reflector and they don't have anything defined, then they're receiving conditioning from every area. And mm -hmm. um, I'm assuming that you, you need some conditioning. You know, you need some... So how do you determine um, the good conditioning and the, the conditioning that you need to decondition? Yeah. Really, we can be conditioned in undefined or defined centers. It can okay. happen anywhere, really. Um, but basically, the way that the reflector lives is kind of the way that all of us live in small ways because very few people have all of their centers defined. I yeah. think it's like... Uh, just a couple percent have all of them defined. It's not something you see very often. So we all have these areas where we're, we're essentially more open to the world. And so, yes, that can lead to conditioning, mm. but we also need that. Like we, we aren't sealed off from the rest of the world. We need to experience these things. Like lately I've just been really into this idea. I'm just thinking about this a lot that we are the entire chart. We have the potential to be all of these things at any given time, depending on who we're around. There's some of them that we are all the time. Um, but we have, but we experience all of these things at one point in our lives. So when it becomes bad conditioning is when once we're away from that person's aura, that is giving us this experience, mm -hmm. we somehow think that we need to keep being that way. Mm -hmm. So if we let it go, then it's not, it's not really bad. It's not really conditioning. It's just kind of an experience that we have. Um, but if we grab onto it and think, okay, well, because, you know, if a projector who doesn't have a defined sacral is around a generator who has this consistent energy and they think, well, now I need to be consistent like this person, so I'm gonna, just going to be that way. Mm. Um, that's kind of where it becomes, like, bad conditioning, I guess, and, and things that, like, stop us from being our true selves. The really interesting thing about projectors or reflectors is that because they have all those open centers, the way that kind of works is that they their aura, because these are aura types, too. We haven't mm. even talked about that, really. But their aura it samples things. It's always like feeling into things because yeah. the way that these centers are defined to each other and the way that they connect determines what kind of aura we have. So they actually have a lot of built-in strength and mm -hmm. that's how they're able to cope with all those things coming in at them at any time. They're just kind of like experiencing this and then that and then that. And they have a way of kind of letting it go maybe mm -hmm. a bit more than the rest of us might. So they're definitely not weaker at all. In fact, they're really strong, and a lot of people call their aura Teflon. So it's like nothing really sticks to it. Mm. Um, but yeah, it's kind of like it's kind of like water washing in and out, like energy. It's just like the wave comes in, you experience it. The wave goes out, you let it go. I really like that um, definition that you gave. It's a space that we're open to experiencing the world. Because I've often read about our, you know, undefined centers. Is these are places that we sort of have to almost guard against 
um, conditioning mm-hmm. that isn't aligned with us. Whereas actually a really nice way of putting it is that we, this is, these are the spaces where we're open to the world. For example, I have an undefined heart center. So it's like I can experience those things, but it doesn't need to define me. I can like let it go. And um, whereas the defined sacral center is really something that I know is truly me and what I can and something I can rely on. So I think that that's a really interesting way of putting that. Yeah, I think it's more empowering because really all we're all we're guarding ourselves against is just trying to hold on to something that's not there anymore. Yeah. And and it's also yeah, it's if we if we kind of like try to keep it away from us, we just it's like we're meant to receive things in the places where we're Mm. undefined so to kind of push that away would just be like not Not receiving all the things that we could receive yeah yeah like not experiencing life yeah Mm, that's so interesting and so how does this um how does this look when you're a parent or how does this shape your early childhood sort of experience because when we're not really very self-aware or anything like that um we obviously are taking in the aura of our parents or our um you know our peers at school or our friends at kindergarten or what have you um so tell me a little bit about deconditioning things that we maybe did pick up you know in our childhood from those experiences and um how we do that how we recognize yeah. what's ours and what's not ours, I guess, is the best way to put that. Yeah, yeah, it's like kind of at this point, taking on conditioning is just kind of part of all of our lives because none of us got raised with this kind of awareness. We kind of all, I think humans just in general at this point, we kind of tend to assume that people are just like us. And so parents assume that what's good for them will be good for their kid mm-hmm. or what society tells them is good for their kid is good for their kid. Um, school, I think, is one of the the biggest uh, sources of conditioning for kids. Indoctrination. And, yeah, and that's <laughs> and that's really challenging. Like, yeah. I have a stepson who is a very like non traditional, like not a neurotypical person and learner. And mm-hmm. school has just been very hard for him, and it's been interesting to to look at his design and kind of understand why that would not work. Mm. So I think really. The, like the person who brought human design into the world, his idea was that eventually it would be for the children. So it's only been around for like 33 years. And so 34, I think it just, just this month maybe. And so it's really like sort of our generation and the generations beyond that will know about this and be able to actually raise kids like understanding these things innately about the kids. And so it's not really about like as a parent, not being yourself and not, and, or not trying to put yourself onto your kid. But I think it's more just understanding where your kid's different. Like Mm -hmm. for instance, my stepson, he has a a six, two profile or a, sorry, a two, four profile, Mm -hmm. which means that he kind of is, he's like a hermit sometimes and then at other times he wants to really connect and be social Mm 
And so that just means sometimes he stays in his room and plays video games for like three straight days. Mm -hmm. And we just kind of know that's okay because we know he'll come out eventually. Yeah. And so, you know, typical parenting, like that wouldn't really be an okay thing to do. (laughs) He's he's 17. And yet like, you know, might be like, get out of your room, get off the screens, get off whatever. But we just know that that's who he is. And sometimes he needs to hermit. And sometimes you knock on the door and he yells, go away. And you could be bothered by that, but instead we're like, okay, he's just in hermit phase. Like mm-hmm. it's cool. So I think that's how you kind of allow your kids to not take on these things. Because if, if we guilted him and said, you're, you're doing, you're wrong. It's not okay. It's not whatever. That's where your kids start to think like, Oh, something about me isn't right. I need to yeah. behave in a different way. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. That's really interesting. And, um, looking at areas of deconditioning in ourselves, um, do you have a specific process that you kind of that you kind of apply to that, or um, is it just a go with the flow kind of thing? Yeah, I mean, I think human design works the best when you just kind of live your life and try to move into that observer mode of yourself. Yeah, a a really good indicator that something is probably conditioning or not working for your design is just when you don't feel good (laughs) so if there's a time where I'm like huh that doesn't feel good I feel drained and I feel negative and bad and not interested in that that's where I'll look and be like huh who told me I needed to do that and do I need to do that and how could I not do that so that's really just like the best thing and it's not something that happens overnight. It's definitely not something that's like, you know, you can kind of mastermind it into a, a check, you know, a no. check off list. <laughs> like it's just something that over time, like I've, I've been studying this for a little over a year and a half and I feel like I'm just scratching the surface mm. and every day I'm like just understanding more deeply how these things manifest because we're humans and there's so many different ways that things can show up in our lives and all these different situations. So it just kind of becomes this lens that you can use with yourself and others and get curious. And yeah. Yeah. I think that that is the key actually with human design is just sort of, um, you know, taking it little bit by little bit actually, because when you, I mean, I don't know if you're like this, but I, if something piques my interest, then I'll sort of, you know, I'll maybe follow someone on Instagram or I'll go to a class or I'll get a reading or something like that. And then when it really piques my interest, then I have to know everything about it. And I'll be, you mm-hmm. know, and with human design, the information is quite detailed and it's, you know, it can be really heavy. And so yeah. I kind of took a step back and I was like, okay, there's something in this that really resonates with me, but I'm going to have a look at my energy type first. You know, where, in what areas am I? you know, outworking this generator energy and what areas am I feeling frustrated and what areas am I feeling satisfied and noticing that. And then I sort of started to, my, that's my commitment to this year as I'm doing a little bit each month and, um, you know, just gradually integrating this awareness of self um, into life. And I think it gives a lot of licensing as well because there's sometimes that I'm just like, oh, why am I not motivated to do this? Or why, you know, I should be doing this. Why... What's, you know, what's wrong with me? Why am I like this? And then it's like, oh, okay, actually, I'm not like this. That's why it feels like pushing shit up a hill, you know? So that's a really interesting observation, I think, with human design. It's like, wow, the things that I knew about myself, 
are actually there for a reason and this is sort of confirmation and I, I don't need to push those things and fit the mold. Exactly. Mm. And the way you're talking is exactly like a generator. I mean, that is how <laughs> it feels when we're trying to go somewhere where we probably don't need to go at that moment or we think we should go. It just feels so much resistance. Like, yeah, like you're yeah. just so frustrated. <laughs> so yeah. yeah, it's that it's exactly that. I think that you could spend you could spend your entire life just living your type and mm -hmm. listening to your inner authority and that is enough people tend to really want to dig deep into the info when they find this which I totally understand because I'm that way too <laughs> but the more that you kind of live it you realize like wow this actually isn't so much about the info it's much more about lived experience and then letting that kind of guide the, the uncovering of the info in a way because if you try to push your experience to follow the info, that kind of, mm. it just, you just don't get as far. You don't get as rich of an experience. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It is something that's meant to be sort of, uh, an underlay of, of real life. It's not, um, yeah. and I think that's also part of our conditioning. It's like, okay, great. So I'm going to do a course and I'm going to master this <laughs> and then I'm going to apply it to life. Whereas it's actually not that it's the experience of living life and sort of observing how these, you know, how the flows of your own life go and um, aligning with that, which I think is really cool. And exactly. Let's talk a little bit about how human design came to the earth, how it was downloaded, uh, because I love this description. I think it fits really well with what we were just talking about as the human design experiment. I love that mm -hmm. phrasing of, um, you know, we're experimenting with these things and seeing how they feel for us. And um, I think that's a really interesting concept. Yeah, exactly. I mean, these things, it's not a religion. It's not God. It's not no. like something you have to follow. It's not a cult. It's, it's a science. So, yeah, it's an, it's an experiment. So this came through a man who calls him, well, he called himself Ra Uruhu. His real name was Robert Krakauer, I believe. He was Canadian. Mm -hmm. This happened in 1987, I believe. And he kind of had this just crazy spiritual experience of this voice talking to him and gave him all of this information. I think that the, the initial information he gave, he was given wasn't quite as extensive as the system ended up being. He yeah. kind of received more of this over time because at first I was like, how did he get all of this? Like in, <laughs> in like a week or whatever it was, wow. it was crazy. But no, yeah. the, the initial download was a little bit smaller, but it was still really detailed. And it had, I think it had the, the body graph and the types and the general thing. So yeah, from there, he just started teaching it to people and little by little it's, it's gotten out in the world. It's become a lot more common in the past few years. Mm. And I think that there was also, and I understand why this was, but at first the way that this was taught is there's so many intricacies to these charts. Yeah. There's really no two charts that are the same. And every little thing in it can affect every other little thing. There are levels to this that we haven't even really been able to get down to because you would have to know like the nanosecond that you were born, which none of us at yeah. this point really have. So I think that the first way that this was shared was like 
really, really, really in-depth study and really only sharing it one-on-one in like a reading format and looking at each individual as opposed to generalizing any of the info. Mm. But I, but that also kept it a little bit smaller. And so um, Ra Uruhu died in 2011. Um, he has a, like an a like an estate and organization that manages all of his original content and talks and, and things like that. Mm -hmm. Um, his, his content and his, his right, it's actually not writing. Most of it is transcripts of talks that he gave. He was a manifester. So he's the one who brings the info to the, Mm -hmm. to the earth. Um, those are all really valuable. And I, and that's where I start with a lot of information, but I feel that we're kind of in this like, next generation human design where he's left the planet and this is kind of this is reaching new generations and new people um it's not just like boomers studying it in little groups of mostly white people in you know the u.s or europe or whatever it's reaching different people all over the world um and there was actually there was a lot of kind of comp not competition, but like a big divide between the people who were officially certified through him mm. and the people like me who just jump online after yeah, learning and want to talk about their own life experience. Um, and there was a lot of like litigation that went along with that of them like going after people who were using this system without being affiliated with them. Oh, wow. But there was actually a court ruling last year. Last year? I think so. Yeah. That... Uh, said that this system belongs to everybody, that you cannot be sued for using this system. Of course, you don't use his materials, but mm. that was a big opening for a lot of people, and I think yeah. that that kind of blew the the door open for this to really reach the world because he brought it, but now it's kind of time for it to yeah. move into the hands of, of more people. I'm sure that was his vision for it as well. You know, I'm, yeah, I'm sure that I think really aligns so. with his his purpose and his vision for it too. Um, it's so interesting how we do that. Um, but I think um, I think it also really lines up with this. What I feel about the Aquarian age, the new paradigm, is that the age of the guru is is over. You know, it's not. Um, we're not sort of seeking out people to give us all the answers and, um, you know, sit at their feet. They give us all the answers. We, you know, blindly apply what they're telling us. And if it goes wrong, then we blame them. You know, I think that now is a time of like really personal sovereignty and personal responsibility. And um, it's up to us to sort of, you know, collate this information and apply it to our lives. And I think the teachers now, like yourself, are really teaching from a space of personal experience. And I think that that's what people are looking for as well. So we're kind of collectively sharing, you know, ways to navigate life and things that have worked for us, things that didn't work for us, and uplifting the collective from that space. So I think that that's really interesting. Yeah, exactly. And, of course, there are always, like, when you talk about this, sometimes it's like I'll share one thing and I'll be like, but also if you have this, it's, it'll be different. All, you know, it's like, I, I'm careful not to generalize too much, yeah, but I like much. to think that by sharing this information, it's an invitation for people to then think, oh, well, 
wait, I have that, but I don't feel that way. So Mm. get curious about, well, maybe why doesn't that resonate with me or why does it? And so really it's all just an invitation to learn about yourself or learn about the other people in your life, whatever you're interested in, instead of, yeah, just like, listening to what some teacher said like yeah. <laughs> I don't I don't want pe- like yeah I don't want people to give me their power and I don't want to give my power to anybody yeah so. absolutely I think that that's the space we I mean we've seen it in every kind of sphere we've seen it in the yogic space we've seen it I mean I grew up in church as well and I've seen it many times is that that um delegation of responsibility to someone else to another human and then um, that human also taking that power and that responsibility mm-hmm. always leads to a fall, always leads to, yeah. <laughs> you know, and it's like we're kind of like looking for divinity in a human being and then we're upset when they, we see their humanity, you know, and it's like, yeah. so I think, that, I think that that age is gone and I think people are much more personally aware and we're stepping into this space of personal accountability for our own lives and for our own information, and um, yeah, I think it's so exciting. I think it's so exciting. <laughs> I think so. I totally agree. <laughs> I love it too. I love it too, and I love sharing in that space as well. You know, I, I yeah. love to be able to share my personal experience to to bless someone else without being in a space of I've got all the answers and I know it all because I don't. Yeah. You know. No. <laughs> <laughs> Nope. <laughs> you know, tomorrow I, I, you know, I might be in light, sound enlightened today, and tomorrow I could very easily be crying on my bathroom floor. You know, and I, I want to have space to be human in that way as well. So, yeah, um, and yeah. that's exactly. It's like that's that's how you can be a leader now. I think it's like just yeah. by acknowledging that you're all of those things and most of these things that people aren't sharing are things we're all doing anyway <laughs> so yeah, it's kind absolutely. of like get it out there <laughs> yeah yeah absolutely so let's discuss um some practical times that human design has helped you navigate a challenging situation um a dark night of the soul or you know something like this yeah i mean i kind of had that experience before I found human design which was very unfortunate because I really could have used that but I think that I found human design around the time that I quit my career so I kind of walked off this cliff of leaving this job that I had been at for a really long time with absolutely no idea what I was going to do but I just had to get out of that because Mm -hmm. it was really just not working for me my generator self I was very frustrated and so then human design kind of appeared in my lap at that time and it ended up it it's ended up becoming my business and what Mm. I dedicate my energy to but I think it mostly I mean yes I'm sharing with other people but really this was kind of just a study in saving myself from that experience and figuring out what like what went wrong and also what I needed to change and how I needed to do things. And so it's been kind of cool to build a business as I've learned about human design. Yeah. And that is not to say that I have not had 
some very dark times over the last year and a half of doing that, Mm -hmm. but all of them have been learning experiences with that. So I think particularly in just figuring, like sitting there one day and just being like, I don't know what I'm doing for the rest of my life. Literally, I have nothing but blank days ahead of me and I need to make some money. Mm -hmm. So what do, how do I go about that in a way where I'm not going to burn out again and feel terrible? Um, It's been really invaluable in that way. And in relationships, oh my God, what a, what a lifesaver. I mean, I just think like every relationship I have in my life is better. And yeah, it's just so nice to be able to pull up a map of someone and understand why they are different from you really. And just like how, know how to treat them in a way that is like honoring both of you and why you're different. And it's even just like the smallest things. Like sometimes when I'm cooking dinner, my partner will just like jump in and it just bothers me so much. And I'm like, Mm -hmm. why does that bother me? And then I think about it. I'm like, well, I'm a generator. He's a manifesting generator. Mm -hmm. I, for me being in a rhythm is really important. So I don't really care if I'm doing the thing the fastest I'm in my rhythm I've got all my steps laid out ahead of me. I know what I'm going to cut next and what I'm going to put in the pan. And so when he jumps in and starts like chopping away, it just disrupts my rhythm. And I get really, I just really hate that feeling. And so instead of just being like mad at myself, mad at him, confused, like frustrated, not sure why, like shoving these emotions down, I just have a, a total understanding of why that doesn't work. And I can just be like, hey. I kind of have a process here, so I yeah. appreciate the help, but I'm just going to do my process. And then he's like, okay. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah, it's just with those types of things, it just, for me, it's allowed me to be so much more loving with mm-hmm. everybody and look back and wish that I had had this understanding with so many people in my work life in particular. Mm-hmm. Like, wow, so many things would have gone differently. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's so interesting. And... um it just gives you that space, more information to be able to make, um, you know, an educated response, I guess, instead of just reacting constantly to things bouncing back and forth. And I think as well, the, the relationship with your stepson, it, that can be a really difficult relationship to navigate. It's really tough, right? But you have this awareness of, you know, who he is or how he leans, obviously it's going to express differently in different people. We all have our own free will and, um, and personality, but to be able to have that understanding, even just of the hermit sociable profile, mm-hmm. um, you know, that's, that's so powerful. That's really powerful information because you could be having an argument in your house every single day when he's wanting to be a hermit and you're like, no, you've got to get out and you've got to be giving energy to everything, you know? Mm-hmm. So to be able to understand how you kind of work together, I think it's so powerful, so beautiful, really, you know, because yeah. that's what it is all about. It's like, how can we love better? How can we live better? Why do we, you know, that's why we want all of this information. And um, so that's, that's incredible. And so tell me about some of the things that we see on Pure Generators, as I said, I love um, your offerings and you have a brand new one out about the Aquarian Age, I believe. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, so Pure Generators started as a blog and that it still is a blog. I try to post there at least once a month, if not more frequently. Mm -hmm. Um, It's kind of a place where I 
share what I'm learning. And that has evolved into offering a couple of readings. What I really like, at first I was really just focused on human design and I had I had really been kind of learning about all of this sort of esoteric and energy and soul stuff for like, I guess, let's see, like five years leading up to finding human design. So I had kind of a, I don't know, an interest in different things that weren't human design. And I also had made an Oracle deck and I was into tarot and things like that. So, um, I realized about a year ago, I was like, I'm just feeling kind of held in by only talking about human design because Mm -hmm. for me, it felt so important to acknowledge both our design, which is like our body and our physical energy, but also like our soul. And I'm really interested in kind of like soul karma and soul purpose. So Mm -hmm. Really, like, all the things that I offer, I try to kind of bridge those two things or offer things that touch on both. So I have a reading where I do, like, sort of soul purpose type things, looking at different things in astrology and numerology. Then I have a human design reading that I call a manifestation consultation that um, I basically sort of analyze your chart for your unique creative process, like how you bring things into the world. Um, All of these are focused primarily, well, they're focused on generators and manifesting generators. I really only do those human design readings for, for us. Um, that's kind of in my design to just be like interested in myself. I'm a one three profile. So I, I have a hard time speaking to something if I haven't experienced it Mm -hmm. or have had someone close to me. So, um, while I know a lot about the other types and I'm interested in them, I, I focus my work just on generators and MGs, which is 70% of us. So, and do you find that that those are the people you attract anyway? Because like when I found your blog, I was like, this is perfect. I don't even have to read, you know, read about all of the other types. Um, you know, it was really good. So do you find that those are the majority of people or you get reflectors that contact you for a reading as well? Um, I've done a few readings for, actually, it's often projectors that will book with me without realizing that I don't do projectors. (laughs) And so I'll do one once in a while. Mm -hmm. Um, Like, it's kind of fun for me to do something different. Mm -hmm. Uh, But, but yeah, I think it's honestly, like, I wasn't really planning this, but puregenerators.com is, like, very good SEO. (laughs) So (laughs) it's, like, it comes up, like, one of the first things. So that, I think that is how a lot of people find me is people just looking for generator information when they're starting off with human design. Um, But on my blog, I talk about probably most things that I talk about that aren't just about generators and manifesting generators are about everybody, like just things about human design. So it's not always about us, but. No, a lot of your blog posts are are the mechanics I find really useful are the mechanics of the different things, like the channels and and things like that, variables and things like that. And that's applicable to everyone's chart. Exactly. Like most things are, it's more just the applied stuff. But I think this is probably like this for most people who do this type of work. But I tend to attract people who are similar to me, I think, or... Um, like I definitely do more readings for generators than manifesting generators. I still do a lot of manifesting generator ones, but I just feel like I, I get people who are asking questions about their lives that are the exact questions that I ask about my life. So Mm. it's, it's cool. I mean, it makes sense, but also some of it I think is not 
totally conscious for all of us. Like we just kind of find the, I just always know that the people who come to me are like the exact right people. So I don't really have to worry about, can I do this? Can I, am I the right person? I'm like, no, I just trust that, that they found me for a reason and whatever I have to say is like what they need. And not only that, but I learned so much about myself through doing these and just through talking to people, like people will just send me, and this is a very generator thing because life kind of comes to us, but mm-hmm. people will send me a message like, well, what about this? And I'll be like, oh, well, that's what I'm going to make my next offering about. Like yeah. people just kind of are always feeding me the most interesting prompts and questions. So, mm-hmm. yeah. That's so interesting. To finish off this session, let's talk about the Aquarian age and the new paradigm and what human design has to say about that. Yeah, that was the other thing was I just felt like I couldn't talk about human design or any of these things anymore without speaking directly about that because it's just so, it's like, why are we interested in these things? I always want to know why I'm doing something. Like, why are we all getting curious about this stuff? And what's really the point? Because it's a pretty big break from like what humanity has been doing the past few thousand years like Mm -hmm. these are very new tools um and some of them you know touch on very ancient things but why are we all interested in this thing that some random white guy downloaded like 33 (laughs) years ago (laughs) like what why and yeah I guess like I feel like I'm sort of an Aquarian soul this like transition I've known for a while that I was here for a reason at this time and I wasn't, I kind of knew like, okay, there's this shift. There's this thing that's happening. Why do I feel weird? Why do I feel like I don't fit in? Why do I feel like I I see things differently? And I think that's like most of us who are interested in this kind of stuff and in energy and in these sort of new age things, they'll call it. But basically it's like we're moving away from, this time of hierarchies and power imbalances mm-hmm. and um, structures, just really building our life around structures, around family structures, community structures, government structures, things like that. Not that all structures will go away, but we're going to see them. Anything where there's basically an abuse of power is kind of collapsing. And I yeah. think until maybe last year until 2020 some of that felt a little bit theoretical and then all of a sudden it felt very real (laughs) so um I think especially after last year obviously it's different depending on where you're living in the world and what cultural context you're coming from but I think we're all kind of sharing this realization that we're all connected we're all Mm, having an experience literally of the same disease and that disease can make its way around the world very quickly and do we believe in our governments anymore are these structures serving us who's being hurt who's being oppressed like it's just in overdrive right now so these are kind of things that have been shifting for the past hundred years kind of on and off here and there but it's just like accelerating so quickly and it's just going to keep accelerating quickly for the next couple decades. And um, where we're going is just, it's the the Aquarian age. We were in the Piscean age. So we're moving into this time of just more, less, less needing to 
interact as roles and more as individuals and recognizing that we are all connected, but that at the same time, we're all sovereign. And so it's less of like a, an enmeshment, more of a, a like nicely spaced connectivity, which is why I think that needing to stand six feet apart from people is just a very interesting <laughs> like <laughs> manifestation of this because yeah. it kind of, while it's upsetting in many ways, it's kind of interesting. It's like, oh, yes, that sort of is how we all are. We are all connected, but like we don't need to be on other. top of each other all the time. Yeah, I've always had this theory about um, Bombay, actually, because, you know, when you when you have an understanding of energy and auras, um, Bombay has a very like frenetic, hectic energy. Even if you're not doing anything, the energy mm-hmm. is is hectic. And I'm like, and I've said this to people and they think I'm mad, but I'm like, well, that's what happens when you put 25 million people in a small space is that our mm-hmm. energy is just bouncing off each other constantly. And that's where you get that buildup, you know? And um, so I think it's really important to kind of come and that's what this year has given me is a detox from the energy, receptive energy, honestly. Um, so that's been very interesting. But really- Exactly. It's like, how do you know what you are if you've never been separate? <laughs> like, yeah. And that's kind of what I think we're learning in this, in this age is like, cause we were talking, you know, you're talking about the conditioning. How do we ever let go of that conditioning if we've never gotten to step outside of that aura? Mm-hmm. So that's kind of that the very intense, painful lesson that we're all learning right now, potentially. Um, but it'll get better. It'll get more smooth and, we'll all kind of adjust and yeah, we're just moving toward a more equal, just, uh, technologically like savvy world. Yeah. It's, it's very, very interesting, interesting times. And I think, you know, we can either, we can choose to resist that and stick in our own ways, but we, you know, that never, that never goes that well, you know? So (laughs) it's like embracing the change. I mean, there are aspects of it as well that I'm not super on board with myself. Like even the technology, I do think that we have decisions to make as a collective in how we maneuver that and how we drive that. So I think we have to come with a lot of awareness. And I think, you know, this year has done that. This last year of 2020, a lot of people were really recognizing how a part of the attention economy they were. Whereas previously Mm -hmm. they thought it was just, oh, you know, Instagram or whatever. And they're like, hang on a second. I'm really paying in my attention and Mm -hmm. I'm, and it's costing me something. And so I think if we can come at these different changes as, um, you know, we have free will and we have a choice and um, come with awareness and, and really make that choice with awareness rather than just be, resisting the new and um then being pushed along into a direction that we've we've really not chosen so i think that these this is interesting but i think in the next um three or four years i i've said this a couple of times to people and they just laugh at me but i really think that some of the things that we are so accustomed to today in terms of structures our political system economic systems things like that I think that we are going to talk about them in four years' time in the same way that we talk about Nokia phones and Kodak cameras, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, and yeah. I think um, 
if if we're open to that and we're aware of that and going, it's okay. I survived without my Nokia phone. I didn't hang on to it, you know. <laughs> I wish I had in some days, but like, you know, I'd love to go back to a Nokia some days. But if we accept that change, I think that it's it's such a beautiful time and an exciting time to be alive on this planet. I totally agree, and I think you're right that. It's not. It's important not to romanticize this change either, because it, this is not overnight. We do not all become humans with no issues. That yeah. is not the case. This could go in a very dark direction. And to understand that dark direction, all you really have to do is watch some sci-fi movies, because they have been playing it out for like, like decades. Yeah. So, yeah, there can be a dark side of, of the Aquarian age of like. In, like a lack of personalization and and like t- letting technology take over those like personal touches yeah. it can become like too 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 impersonal too like um intellectual and not enough like like the Aquarius energy loves humanity but like hates people so it's just it's kind of like those things could take I us in that, that direction. I totally feel that. <laughs> <laughs> so it's, yeah, it's like we want to, we don't want to like get rid of everything that we learned in the Piscean age. That would yeah. be wrong. We got a lot of amazing things from that. We want to like take the good, the stuff that's still working for us as we head into the new thing and try to not just take the stuff from the new thing that's also not working for us. So yeah, yeah. it's. And we have to be mindful. <laughs> that's an interesting contrast as well in, in terms of human design and conditioning and recognizing that because I, I heard it so many times. People, when they first find human design, they're like, right, and I probably said it myself, I'm going to live by my design and this is what I'm mm-hmm. going to do. And, you know, it doesn't really work that way. It's an observation as well. You don't want to get rid of all of your conditioning. You've, you know, you've walked this planet and received things that have helped you and will continue to help you. And it's about letting go of those things that don't. So it's not like getting rid of all of our conditioning. And so on a micro level, that's even true. And on a macro level, that's also true. And I think this is a massive time of, you know, alchemizing darkness as well on the earth. And um, yes, I, I agree with you that it's it's not all sunshine and rainbows. Because if you're going to alchemize darkness, you have to look at it. You know, you have to except that it's there and you have to look at it and so yeah it comes with challenges but um with awareness I think that it it can be a really beautiful thing and beautiful process yes amazing so where can um our listeners find you um where can they get in touch with you for a reading or find you on social media yeah, they can find me at puregenerators.com and on Instagram at puregenerators. And those are the two places where I mostly am. So you can find me there. Fantastic. Now, is there anything um, that you have on your heart to share that I haven't asked you about? I don't think so. Okay, we've covered a lot in this episode. Yeah. It's amazing. Yeah. And this is actually going to be a two-part episode. In our next episode, we're going to get into the nitty-gritty of some of the mechanics of human design. So, um, you know, we look forward to that. So thank you so much for joining me today, Rachel. And um, I'll come back to you for episode two. Yeah, thank you. 
I hope you enjoyed this episode and you got some things to take away from our amazing guests' insight. If you did enjoy this episode, please subscribe and also leave us a review. And for more information on the Hadassah Collective, you can visit our Instagram page at Hadassah Collective. I hope you'll join me again for our next episode at the same time next week. And until then, have a wonderful week.